What is going on, DC? This is Move the District, hosted by yours truly, Mike Yassin. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to highlighting members of the Washington, DC health and fitness community and giving you the correct information with no BS to help you live a life that's active, healthy, and fulfilled. All right, welcome back for episode 10. I can't believe I have actually done 10 of these now. Here we are, Move the District, episode 10. Uh, today, by a special request, uh, we have Jenna Weintraub here with us today. She is a licensed graduate social worker. She currently works at the dorm here in Washington, D.C. in Golden Life Counseling. She specializes in anxiety, depression, and substance use disorders. Jenna, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I think this um, is probably a long time coming, uh, at least on my side, just because when I started this podcast, I definitely had more of a like fitness slant towards this show, but I also wanted to make it more holistic where we're talking about more than just like the physical aspect of it, talking more on the mental and emotional side of things. So I think I put it out there on Instagram, like what do people want to see? And I forget who it was. Someone said something about, you know, dealing with the mental stresses of COVID and you uh, hit me up and I was just like, boom, this is uh, the perfect uh, situation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's taken a toll on us all and it's something that we're all going through as a collective experience and that's not something that we are all used to. And then how all of that stress, the anxiety that we're all feeling affects us physically. Um, our body and mind are so connected in ways that we're not always conscious of or paying attention to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where people who have never really thought about things like anxiety, depression, um, have, have you know ever really thought about anything like this. And now all of a sudden, they're fa- facing these feelings that they've never experienced before. Yeah. And I mean, my hope in that is that then we can have more compassion towards everyone who deals with mental health issues. Um, It's really hard. Like if I haven't experienced something, then I don't really know what it's like. And maybe I'm more judgmental of that person. So it's really like, okay, now I've experienced it. How can I be compassionate towards this? And then if I already had existing anxiety, depression, panic attacks, things like that, how COVID's then impacting me too. So it's like, there, there's a wide spectrum of what's going on right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, people, you know, with like pre-existing conditions already, I mean, I, I know they're just like, obviously taken, you know, they've probably taken things to the next level. People who have never, you know, had to deal with these issues before are now confronting these feelings for the first time. And it just goes back to that whole, you know, like, let's just watch out for each other. You know, I think, uh, Right now, you know, we talk about like wearing masks and, you know, we're not wearing masks for ourselves. We're wearing masks for the people around us. Like not, you know, let's take that to the next level and focus on like, hey, like how are the people that are around me, not just in our quarantine pod, but the ones that are, you know, the ones that are maybe a couple states away that we don't get to talk to very often. Like how are they handling things? Right. And that's where I tried to frame it a lot of, we can, at a time like this, we're thinking a lot about what am I losing? Um, Maybe I can't see family often. Maybe I can't see friends. I feel like I'm losing certain freedoms that I've had or lifestyles, but reframing it as like, what am I gaining? Um, I think for a lot of people, they've talked more on the phone or on Zoom with people that they hadn't before. And you know, what am I gaining? How am I taking care of others? How am I taking care of myself? Because if we just focus on all the things we're losing, and that's not to say we're not losing those things, right? Like, it sucks. Mm -hmm. But trying to reframe it of like, okay, what opportunities are here? How how can I gain something in this? Where's my self-reflection time coming in? My self-care? Things like that. Yeah, a glass half full approach, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's, that's a great way to look at it. I think everyone's so focused on, you know, whether it's their, their job or, or business or not being able to go to bars, restaurants, you know, I've had, I'm sure you, a similar boat, you know, friends, family members who've had to cancel, postpone weddings. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to like, look at all the negative, obviously. And then obviously not, that's not even talking about people who've gotten sick and people you know who have died. Obviously that's the biggest 
part of this, but like what, yeah, what can we gain from this? How can we improve ourselves versus, you know, just kind of like taking the, uh, the, the negative route. I, I, I think back to like the book I read the summer before I started PT school, the power of positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Have you, are you familiar with that book at all? I haven't read it, but I've heard it. Of it. It's, a, it's a little like on the religious side of things. Right. Okay. I think it was written by a, um, a pastor, maybe a minister, someone, someone who's, who's like Christian, um, Christian faith, I guess. But uh, basically, I mean, the whole idea is like thinking about controlling what you can control. Like, you know, right now, like in terms of controlling the virus, we obviously individually can't do that. You know, we can do things like socially distance and wear a mask and wash our hands, and, you know, all that stuff. But like, what can we do to control our happiness versus controlling, you know, versus just like giving into those feelings of anxiety, depression, despair. Uh, and I think that's the, the thing that I think people don't really think about right now. Yeah. Uh, my kind of go-to view of, of life and, and my approach in therapy is that we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it. And that's different than reacting because reaction is like, you know, where we can shoot from the hip or it's that quick reaction versus respond. There's a a thoughtful nature of it. And also that in our thinking, we, okay, if I'm, if I have depression, like the negative thoughts are coming and like that is like a magnet to my brain. And for a lot of us, like those negative thoughts come in and they're a lot stronger. So oftentimes neutral thinking, like, being more factual or stating like neutrally what's going on um, versus just being positive. Cause sometimes people struggle with being positive of like, it feels like it's rainbows and unicorns, but that's actually not what's happening. So right. if we can just take a more neutral and non-judgmental stance to things that is going to be a lot more helpful to us and it can fit for people more than just a positive thinking if they don't feel positively. Now, is that more like a, you know, realistic approach? Yeah, well, and realistic is is subjective, right? Because right. if I'm seeing the world right now through like gray colored glasses, then what feels realistic is not. I think about it as um, if we bring our bodies into it, if I say things like um, I'm ugly or I hate this part of my body or or this thought versus like, how does my body serve me would be a neutral thought. So okay. like my body allows me to walk or sit or stand. And then that's very different than like, I love my body. I'm beautiful if I don't feel that way. So it, it can help us reframe like getting the negative out, getting the positive out. If the negative's hurting me and the positive doesn't really fit to mm-hmm. think about like, how is my body serving me? Right, um, right. And that would be taking a more neutral stance. Right. So kind of like in terms of like to use COVID as an, as an example, um, like instead of saying like, we're never going to have, have a vaccine or, you know, we're going to be out of this in you know, in a month, it's like kind of like, Hey, like this is going to take, you know, we're going to be dealing with this for the next few months, something like that. And then we'll see where we get in a few, you know, months. Yeah. And what do I need to do to help me get through the next few months? All right. Absolutely. Um, and, and thinking about like, what are some things that I'm looking forward to and balancing that out with the things that I, you know, the things that might be canceled right now. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's great. Um, let's talk about you. <laughs> how, uh, how have you been handling things? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm a planner. Right. Um, so this definitely uh, poses a challenge for all of us planners. I think that one thing that I've, the approach that I've tried to take is like, there are good days and there are bad days and that that's true pre-COVID and that's true during COVID and that'll be true after COVID. Um, So really kind of paying attention to where I'm at and like, what do I need on my good days? What do I need on my bad days? Yes, therapists still have bad days. <laughs> yes, same for physical therapists. Yeah. So I think that's a, been what, how I've been trying to approach it. I think we've all 
Um, we all struggle in different ways, right? Yeah. Like, I don't have family in this area, so that poses a different challenge. However, you know, I also have close friends here. And so, you know, I, I think just kind of finding those balance, but being really compassionate with ourselves that we're just, we're doing the best we can, but it, it's hard. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that was definitely something I noticed early on in, in this lockdown, like for myself was like, you'd go through like a week and be okay. And then like, you'd have one day where you're just like, shit, man, like, mm-hmm. like what the hell? And you're just like, you're just, you're, whether you're pissed or angry or sad or you know, whatever it might be. You're just like, you're in a funk and you're like, holy shit. Like, like I can't believe we're here right now. And I can't believe this is happening. Um, what do you think is, I mean, what do you think is the best way to combat those like large, like swings in emotion? Um, something that really sticks out to me. So I, when this first started, I had a phone call with my dad, who's a doctor and he, I was like, no one taught me like how to do this. And he was like, no one taught any of us how to do this. Like no one taught doctors how to do this in med school. So I think that kind of approach is like, helping us like when I have those swings, like this is really uncharted territory. And you know, what's my toolbox of things that I need? Like, what are the things that help me when I'm feeling down? And what are the things that I need to do to take care of myself? I think that emotions are emotions. And the more, the more that we deny our emotions, actually, the more they intense they get. So if I'm angry, I'm angry, but what do I need to do to manage that anger? Probably yelling at a roommate or a significant other might feel good in the moment, but really it's not going to help me in the long run. So like, do I need to go out for a run? Do I need to listen to some music and kind of having that, um, that toolbox of, of different options of ways that I deal with different emotions is really important. So, so keeping things bottled up is not good. Not good. <laughs> I'm just like swallowing it. I think that's the like the Irish Catholic in me is just like yeah. to like just like swallow things and just let it hold hold down and then eventually it explodes. It's fine. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, that that uh, that definitely definitely makes sense. Yeah, I think um, yeah, there'd just be those certain days where you're like, all right, like I need to like either just get outside or just something where uh, you just need to like change it up a little bit. And I think that that has a big role in like affecting people's moods where it's like, all right, like I've sat in the couch for the last five days. I need to get the hell outside and, yeah. and do something. Yeah. Something. And, and there are a lot of like kind of quick tips that I've, I've been recommending. So one thing would be like with working from home, your work day can bleed into your like nighttime hangout time. Um, and so making sure trying to have a space where you're working, that's different than where you relax. So do you have a desk? Do not work from bed. It's the worst thing to do for your sleep. Um, probably not your work's not going to be as effective either, but if you used to commute to work, like go out for a walk in the morning and go out for a walk at the end of the day and it can sandwich your day. So it's like, okay, when I go for my walk, or if I start cooking dinner, then I know like I need to close my work computer because right. that's a really common thing that it's, it's been bleeding into the whole night or I check work email earlier. Um, yeah. so trying to keep a semblance of a, of a work day routine, especially if you're a routine oriented person and then finding those things to look forward to, it's going to look different than, Oh, I'm traveling this weekend or I'm going to this wedding, but maybe right. it's, a new recipe that I'm cooking or a walk that I'm going to go on with a friend wearing masks um, There you go. Or, or something like that, where we can still have those things to look forward to acknowledging that they might look different than how they did pre COVID. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the biggest complaint I've heard, uh, you know, from people that I've worked with is the amount of work they're doing now where, you know, maybe they had a nine to five, nine to six job before that nine to five job has now turned into a seven to seven job and they're fine. Or even later where it's like, Oh, I got a, an email at 10 o'clock at night. Well, I'm, I'm still sitting on my couch. Like I was five hours ago. Might as well just fire one off real quick in response. And I think people have the hard time, like shutting things down, drawing that line, uh, whether it's, you know, hiding your phone at a certain hour or just totally, you know, unplugging whatever it might be. I think that's, 
like one of the best, the biggest things. Cause I mean like that work anxiety, I know for myself, like that work anxiety can carry on, you know, it, it, it follows you home from the office. Um, but then when it turns into, when your office turns into your house, then it just grows even more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really, I've heard that and noticed that as well. And it does make it easy to just check my work email, but what are the boundaries that I'm holding? And I think for a lot of people, there's also pressure right now with the economy or different things like that to be like a hundred percent. But if I'm burning myself out, then I'm not going to be a good employee either. or I'm not going to be able to perform and, and show up for myself either. Right. It's like, how sustainable is this? You know, like we're going to be, you know, I can do this for three months, uh, four months, whatever it might be, maybe just a month. And then next thing you know, you're like, you're, you're, you're more anxious than you've ever been and you hate your job and then it just spirals from there. So, I mean, I think, yeah, finding those balances, um, you know, weekend, things like that, where you're able to, I, I really like that tip with going for walks. I think that's a really good way to, cause I'm always trying to tell people to like get up and drink water so they have to go to the bathroom, uh, things like that so that they are breaking up the day a little bit. But I like the whole idea of like separating like, kind of like a simulated commute almost where like you feel like you're kind of commuting where you just walk down the street and walk back, whatever it might be. Uh, and that kind of like separates your like work from home life. And then also obviously like the, uh, the office, the home office versus like sitting on your couch and doing work. I think that obviously plays a big role too. Um, now were you, I, f I forget, now were you working from home at all? Were you doing remote sessions? Yeah. So, um, I kind of, cause I work at two different places. So the dorm, which is my full-time job, um, we specialize in treatment for young adults in Washington, DC. It's a really cool program. It is takes a holistic approach. So we do individual therapy, group therapy, um, personal training, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, nutrition, like the whole, the whole shebang and, um, academic support. Um, so it's a really cool program. We did make the decision. Um, that was like, I think when everything shut down, we went virtual and we were virtual fully for maybe like six to eight weeks, a little bit longer. Then we went back in person for only one-on-one -on -one sessions, no group sessions. And then about the middle of June, we went back. Um, we still have the option for virtual. We've actually been running hybrid groups, which has been really interesting. There's um, like this thing that's called the OWL that allows us like have some people on Zoom and some people in the room cool. and facilitate group therapy that way. Um, we're social distancing. So all sessions are six feet apart with masks on temperature checks. Um, we have COVID testing for our clients. So it's like the whole wraparound approach. So we were, I was virtual for a while, um, for that, but then we've kind of made that transition to being back in person, but doing it safely. And then for, um, at golden life, um, we are still virtual. And so that's, um, for that, I offer like, um, I have a carry a caseload, um, and, and see people weekly. Um, and so that's a bit, we were still virtual for that one. Um, how, how has your job changed with this now? What, what, what has changed? Obviously, I mean, there's social distancing, all that stuff, but outside of that, how has it changed? You know, I think that the social distancing for me, we've had conversations about like, how is therapy with masks on? Um, and actually I find like the six feet apart to be that, like, I feel that more than I do with masks on. Maybe I'm just desensitized to the mask at this point. Right. Um, I think for a while it felt like COVID was like consuming all of parts of our lives. And I think now for a lot of us, we've been, um, now we're kind of like starting to get back to normal things coming in. So it's this really weird time where like life feels on pause, but it's not. Um, so I'd say just the kind of the logistics is definitely how it's changed, but also the collective experience. Um, in my career, I haven't lived through something where like me and all of our clients are going through the same thing. So that's been a really um, 
interesting experience. It's been a learning experience for me as a therapist um, to kind of like, we're all going through this and experiencing it in different ways. And for clients to see you as like a human too, who, and and to work from home, which is not something I had done ever before as a therapist. Right. How, um, how has, how, how effective do you think like the virtual sessions have been? Do you think, do you feel like that's a, legitimate tool with maybe a legitimate future? Yeah, I definitely think so. There are some things with virtual that get impacted like licensing wise for us. Cause like that we can't practice across state lines, but a lot of that's been waived right now. Yeah. But I, in the beginning it, it felt really strange, but then I really do feel like it's been extremely effective. I think a lot of, some people are burnt out on zoom. I think for all of us, it feels like we do nothing but zoom all day long yeah. um, with friends, with family, with work. Um, but then once we got used to it, I feel like it was really just as effective. So I hope that it continues to be a platform in the future and that we can expand mental health care access through virtual sessions uh, because access to mental health care is unfortunately a, a big issue in our country. Yeah. And I, I think that, because I know you have, you know, days when you're on call. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the virtual sessions give you a little bit more of an instant access to people and, and like their moment of need. I mean, is that, is that accurate? Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, we have done it at the dorm. We've been off. We've been offering weekend sessions and nightly sessions. So like, we really wanted to make sure that during this time, people were getting extra care. So that did allow, like, hey, I'm really struggling right now, and and there's also more flexibility too for us. Like, I just have to commute to my, <laughs> you know, desk for right. that. Um, so yeah, it can allow a lot more instant access. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely like an effective thing. And I know like on the, the physical therapy side of things, it's made it's almost made some things like more realistic where like here at the gym, like we can do stuff with with a barbell or a kettlebell or a dumbbell, but like some people don't have those things at home or any of those things. So what do you have at home? I'm looking at around our office now, like there's a can of paint and <laughs> there's a microwave and, and things like that. I'm like like and those are the things that like we were like having people use. I had one guy doing shoulder presses with like a 25 pound statue. So like, which I think was a little bit crazy. I mean, the guy was like, oh, this is an old family heirloom. And like, and you're using it for shoulder presses. I was like, I don't think you should be doing that. But he's like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, it's so, like, it's one of those things where like, it's more realistic in the sense that like, you're getting them in like their natural habitat, essentially, versus like, coming into like this controlled space, which is great, right? But ultimately, if we want to empower our patients to take control of their health and their situations, like getting them to like, work on these issues, whether it's, you know, for me, more physical, you obviously more mental, like in the spaces that are causing these issues. uh, I think that is a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, definitely. And it also shows us that, I mean, there's a sense of one thing that I think is hard is that there's a sense of security in a therapeutic space. And there's also like the environment cue. So I know when I walk into that office, my brain knows I'm going to the therapist. And when I walk out, my brain knows, okay, session over. It's kind of this weird, like mask on mask off situation that we ask clients to do. It's Mm -hmm. way harder than we think it is like I oftentimes it's like well just go to therapy and it's like it's actually really hard to go into a therapy session and then walk out and maybe I have to go back to school or back to work that's really hard to do and now in homes we're asking clients to okay come to therapy and then stay in that space so I think that's one unexpected um difficulty yeah uh, of therapy during this time because it's like I don't get to then leave the office it's like I'm staying in that space um, so that's a place where like going for a walk can be really helpful but it's also showed a lot of us how we have to roll with the punches like that wasn't something that I thought of when you know we all went virtual of how that would impact it 
So it's really taught us like, okay, what are the things that are problems that are coming up and how can we, you know, address those on the fly, which is a skill that we have to do in life too. It's just like a really condensed version of what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. And I mean, and also taking into consideration that like some of those home situations are unhealthy also, mm-hmm. right? I mean, whether it's parents, significant others, whoever, whatever by yourself, you know, I mean, all those things, I mean, that, that, cause it's one of the things where you're getting out of that safe, you're getting out of the safe space of the therapist's office versus like being in the space, whether you're, whether you're being enabled or abused or whatever it might be. Like that's, um, I guess another challenge too, where it's like, you don't might not necessarily get the full story. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, been talked about across the country. They've talked about domestic violence, like hotline increases and things like that. And just being home with someone, like whether it's parents that we have a a difficult relationship, or even if I don't have a difficult relationship, maybe I'm living in the city and it's a really small apartment and there are multiple people like that can cause issues for a lot of us, but it's, also us, why therapy is so important during this time is because there's another person that's objective third party in this, but that also I can trust and feel safe with. Um, so those relationships, I, I believe, are, are more important than ever. Yeah, I think, I think that, that makes sense. What's your take on the, I'm seeing all these new like virtual therapy uh, apps where like it's more like messaging right like I know Michael Phelps he's been like the face of one I can't think of the name off the top of my head uh talk space I think yeah yeah move the district is sponsored by big league performance and rehab at big league performance and rehab we help active adults stay that way pain-free and active during sports and activities that they love for life we do this by working on four different areas that's movement nutrition stress management and sleep when we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. So I have some mixed feelings. One, I can't, I haven't tried these out, so I don't totally know. To me, it feels different than like a, a crisis text line or something like that, which are really important platforms. I guess I would worry about it being like, maybe like generic responses and how are we building? I think that that can be a, a turn away because we don't see the other person's face. Maybe it can feel safer, but maybe it doesn't. Um, so I think the jury's still out on that one. I need to do some more research as well, but yeah. we can expand mental health care through virtual and video. Then hopefully that could be a little bit better than, than texting, but still having that as an option if that's what people feel more comfortable with. Or if they're not in a safe space or a safe environment where video and potentially someone overhearing them is safe for them. So I think that's where as we can be more creative and expand access to all different types of care and have that be more accessible to all people, then people would be able to select what fits the best for them too. Right. I mean, I think that makes sense. I I don't know. Is it supposed to be like you're texting like a person on the other side? Is it supposed to be like automated? Like, like. I think it's supposed to be a person on the other side. I'm not sure how that's like monitored for confidentiality and things like that. Right. Um, so that's where I definitely have to do more research on that. So the, the jury's still out on my end. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's um, an interesting thing where I think like it definitely has its, um, probably has a, a spot for it, right? Um, just like, you know, people will, you know, send me messages about their shoulder hurting, whatever. Like, I think there's like a, a, a spot, a spot for it. Like, but is it the only thing? I mean, probably not. I think back to like all the, uh, DMS that I get on a regular basis from people literally all over the world who are just like, Hey, uh, my knee hurts. What exercises should I do? And you're like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Like, like your knee hurts. Okay, great. Or like, or they'll send me their MRI report and it'll be like, you know, this is my MRI. What are the best exercises for my back? I don't know. Like, I don't know. These are uh, all open questions. <laughs> right. It's all just like these super open questions. And it's like, these are not things that can be addressed via, you know, a DM or a text message. So like there, there needs to be more, you know, there are further discussions that then happen after that. 
usually me telling people to stop messaging me, but no, um, no, usually it's more of a like, well, why don't you talk to a physical therapist in your area? And now, well, the nice thing actually is now that I have these virtual services, now I can be like, well, if you actually want to like get better at this, like we can schedule a virtual assessment and we can see what the best exercises are for your back or your knee or whatever. And then that's like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I like challenge people, like, you know, put up or shut up. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I think like the, the text message, like I think in some cases, sure, it can be like useful when you, especially when you have like an established rapport with a patient, but when it's, you know, someone brand new and you're like, hi, I'm John. <laughs> What's going on, John? And you're like, this is not, this is not like the, I think the best way to get things started. I think, I think, yeah. And an important part of therapy, the most important part is the therapeutic relationship, the relationship that I'm building. With Amen. So that, um, again, you know, for some people that that might not feel comfortable or that might not be accessible, but, um, to have that really unconditional and non-judgmental relationship um, is essential for the work that we do in therapy. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of the things I've, I've said this, you know, this is episode 10 and I've probably said this at least eight times in this podcast is that like, you know, for on the physical therapy side, it's like, you know, I could have the best rehab program for your lower back, but if I'm a jerk, you're not going to want to work with me. It doesn't matter. And the same thing goes for you too. Like you could be the best social worker in the world, but like, if you're a jerk, people aren't going to want to like deal with you. So, so it's like having that therapeutic relationship and, and getting the time to like know the person. I think that um, is ultimately what makes, you know, people like us, I guess, successful. Yeah. And that trust that has to be built up. And obviously we have different experiences in life that impact how we build trust with other people, but the same way of like, if you, walk in you're like yep I can cure your lower back pain like that I have to build trust in that relationship with you the same way if I'm asking someone I'm saying like all right talk to me tell me what's going on like that's there has to be trust there before we can get into a lot of that deeper work and and it's a process of building that what are what are some of the things you you do some method methods you use to to build trust with your clients I think taking time talking about it, we don't, it's interesting. If we think about like a lot of our relationships, we don't openly talk about how much we trust people. Um, it's, it's often unspoken, but one showing up, like I'm going to show up, I'm going to be here present, be available for what you need and listen really just listening and making people feel heard. Um, we all want to feel heard. And then just being who we are. Um, I'm, I'm pretty direct. I'm not, (laughs) I'm, I'm not here to like paint any pictures that are like rainbows and unicorns. If we just use this skill in therapy. Um, So I think it's, it's a lot of that. Just bringing yourself into the room, being genuine, being authentic. People read when you're authentic, Um, but also giving it time to build trust and, that that process of building trust is going to look different for all of us. And it's going to take different amounts of time. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the stat is that like the average doctor in this country interrupts their patient. I think it's like 11 seconds in it's like 11 seconds into like you telling me your problem. I'm like, Oh, so where were you? Or, Oh, well, oh that's gotta be this reason or, or, you know, whatever it might be like 11 seconds into you telling me your problem. I am already talking. Like that's, and I think that's where a lot of just, not even just like in our field, just the whole healthcare feel, like a lot of like that mistrust comes from is like, we're so quick to jump in so quick to fix things. It's like before we even like, cause like, that's one of the things I think I've said this to you before. Like, I don't want to be a fixer, right? I want to like give you the tools to fix things. So like, how can I do that in 11 seconds? You know? So unless I truly understand what it is you're going through. Um, I'm sure you've worked with people who you weren't the first person they've worked with. Right. So, so like, you know, someone who's on their fourth or fifth or sixth, you know, provider who who's dealt with depression for a decade or someone who's had lower back pain in my case for a decade, then like 
to get a chance to tell their story, right? That's like, that's where that therapeutic trust gets built. Yeah. And everyone's an expert of their own experience. I don't know what it's like to live in another person's body. And I come in with my own experiences and, you know, the way that I see things based on my life experience. I don't know what another person's experience is. So I think that that's the most important. Everyone's an expert of their own experience and that it's their choice of how much they want to tell me, but how can I, you know, work with someone to build trust so that we can go deeper into those things. But yeah, if I'm on my fourth, fifth provider, um, that trust is going to look a lot different too. And um, yeah, so it's a process, but I think just being authentic and, and listening is the most important thing. Right. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, taking it back here now a little bit towards COVID as we were talking about earlier. Um, where does exercise fall in terms of an acceptable method of dealing with, you know, the stress and the anxiety that comes with? Yeah. I mean, exercise is, I think essential. However, it also depends on our relationship with exercise. I think this is where like fitness bands can be our best friend and our worst enemy. So like if I'm just exercising to watch the calories on my watch, that's not really going to help me in improving my overall, especially mental health. But if I found a type of movement that feels good, and that's why I often say like movement versus exercise, because where I'm at in my energy level and different symptoms I might be experiencing, um, my exercise level is going to look different. So like, how do I move my body in a way that I can enjoy versus like hating my way through a workout because it burns more calories on my Apple watch. Right. Right. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, Hey, you, you know, on my wall, movement is medicine. So, you know, I'm definitely a believer in that. And I think it goes back to even like you were saying before about like, you know, having that morning walk and that evening walk, just like that movement is great. Um, and then I think also another great thing, I think with like gyms and we're seeing it here in DC, I know you are a, uh, an elevate member, uh, the communities around these gyms, I think are, um, been super helpful during these times. You know, the, the person who's, been stuck in their studio apartment by themselves for the last four months, like they join a gym to have that social interaction. It's more than just a workout and uh, having the ability to connect with people, whether it's, you know, on a zoom call or whether it's with a socially distanced run or a workout in the park now, you know, things like that, I think uh, definitely have a very beneficial part. Right. Um, I think, the, the issue, though, I think it comes down to is exercise, you know, when you're using it as a crutch versus like an escape, right? I think that, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's ways that we can, again, have unhealthy relationships with exercise. Am I thinking negative thoughts about myself through the whole time? Like, I should be better than this. I should be doing better than this. Am I using it am, if I'm angry to like get away from that emotion versus like cope through it? That's where I was thinking like, we're going through our emotions and with our emotions rather than running away from them. Um, so on the surface, exercise is like, yes, it's great. And <laughs> there's more about what are, what is our relationship like with our bodies? What is our relationship like with exercise? And, and what are we looking to that for? Yeah, because I mean, I think everybody and their mother became a runner, like March like 17th. I think everybody became a runner. I guilty as charged. Um, but I think that like, you know, people are just like, well, gyms are closed. I'm just going to keep running, you know, and I'm going to run and I'm going to run and I'm going to run. And like, you know, I, I, otherwise I'm just going to sit on my couch and watch TV. And it's like, it is okay to sit on your couch and watch TV. (laughs) It's that balance of like, some of us feel like we always have to be doing more. Like it's never enough. I think of, you know, when you're talking about people who are working the seven to seven, or I have to be working out every single day, or I feel guilty if I uh, sit on my couch. We (laughs) we're famous for living in extremes. It's very all or nothing in black or white. And so how do I sit on my couch and run? And how do I not get into the all or nothing part of it? What are some helpful like thoughts for people to like realize that maybe they are using exercise as a crutch? 
I would think about like, is exercise a part of my routine? When am I, and, and exercise can be helpful. So say I'm, I'm feeling angry and it feels like I can't bring my body down. Exercise can be a really helpful coping mechanism. Right. I would think about it more of what are the thoughts that I'm having when I'm exercising about myself? Um, is that like the keep going or is that the, you should be doing better than Um, and then also kind of recognizing our mood before and after. Um, I I think that that's where routine is really important. Um, coming into it, not getting so stuck in a routine, but like maybe for me, I found out that exercise is better in the morning versus exercise at night. I think it's a lot of just paying attention and, and just being curious about what we're seeking from exercise as well. Right. How about in regards to like body image? Yeah. Um, (laughs) this is a hard part because I think that's where the exercising to lose weight is really dangerous messaging. Right. We all have different bodies and all of our bodies look different. And one thing that I think the fitness community has been doing over the last few years is it's not just a, a female coach who's like extremely thin, um, that, how are our fitness coaches reflecting the different bodies of different Americans and how are we making workout spaces feel inclusive for all people? It's a common thing where people don't want to go into workout classes because they worry about being judged by people or I haven't worked out in a while and they're asking me to run then, you know, my judgments of myself and others. So there's a lot of work that can be done within the fitness community about how are we inclusive of all people and all bodies. And something that is really important too, is like, how, how is my body serving me? What is my body allowing me to do and really celebrating our strength? um, versus what our weight is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one, one thing I, I had heard was there's a certain national chain out there that selects their coaches based on, um, what the population of that gym is. So mm-hmm. like if the average age, say it's, you know, the average gym member is like, you know, woman in their forties, they're going to hire coaches that skew, towards that, like other women in their forties, or if it's, you know, maybe it's like something here in the city where like, uh, you know, your, your people are, you know, mid twenties, you'll hire coaches who are, you know, mid twenties. And and this way it kind of like skews towards that population so that you like don't necessarily, like you say, having that like image of like, you know, that untouchable image of someone who's like, I'll never be as good as them or, or like something that's like an unrealistic image where you're like, Oh man, I could never do that. And like that, like that set, it becomes that like self-deprecating like viewpoint. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I learned, you know, early on, you know, in, in school was, you know, the best way to, to lose weight is through your diet, you know, exercise is, you know, secondary, you know, so like, how are we, you know, you know, actually, it's great that you're, you know, doing, you know, a workout, a workout class, you know, four or five days a week, but like, um, you know, don't look at that as your means to losing weight. You know, it comes, there's much more that goes into it than doing that or gaining weight, you know, um, both ends of the spectrum. You know, we need to look at more than just, you know, what you're doing for exercise. I really, I go by an intuitive eating model where, um, cause again, I think diet is somewhere where we go to the extremes, right? Like right. I'm, I'm setting a lot of food rules or, um, and all of these foods are like no go or unsafe foods versus, um, like feeling like I'm eating, like then I can go to binge eating. Um, so intuitive eating really takes the model of like, if I want the carrot, I can have the carrot. If I want the piece of cake, I can have the piece of cake. What is moderation? What is balance? And then also listening to our hunger fullness cues. Um, so when am I hungry versus when am I eating to cope with an emotion? Uh, um, yeah. Do I have to eat all the food on my plate or am I actually full? We eat while we're watching TV and we're actually not even paying attention to how full we are, how hungry we are. So it's a lot more of a mindfulness perspective um, and thinking about it as nourishment too. And, and how am I nourishing my body? But then 
you know, deconstructing some rules that I have about like what are good and bad foods. Like a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. Yeah. Food, food is food. Um, so it, it's a lot of more of listening to our body and what our body needs. Um, and then of course, like consulting dietitians or therapists as needed too. Right. Now, what would you say to, you know, I feel like there's so much pressure on us to use this time as a period of self-improvement, right? Like if you're not learning French, if you're not mastering woodworking, if you're not, you know, I don't know, picking up, you know, you know, like gaining, you know, 300 pounds in your squat, like this has just been a waste of a time for you. What would you say to, you know, people out there about that? I've thought about it as breaking even, like how can I break even during this time? Right. Why, why do we have, why are we putting that pressure on ourselves? Like what am I, what makes it that important that I need to do those certain things? And also deconstructing, like, do I actually want to learn French or am I feeling pressured to? If I actually want to learn French or read some books, yeah, I might have some time now to do that, but really constructing like who said, uh, I was say that I want to ban the word should we, we should ourselves and like, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And like, who says, Uh, well, that's where I would kind of question where those messages are coming from and, and what do I actually want to be doing? And some days I might want to be learning French and some days I might want to sit on the couch. Yeah. I would say, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, yeah, it's, it's perfectly fine just to sit on the couch. Like, like, you know, for all the pressure out there of like, oh, utilizing this to grow a business, start a side hustle, all this stuff. It's like, you know what? Like, it's okay to just sit in your couch and, and watch Netflix. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right. So, I've got a couple more questions here for you. What has been your favorite memory of quarantine so far? Um. Wow. So many. We've had, had a lot of good laughs. Um, I would say just, uh, I'm, I'm imagining in my head, it was my parents anniversary and they put behind like them on the zooming, you know, the artificial backgrounds, like them on a beach, like, okay, we're celebrating our anniversary. Um, so I think in my family, we had lots of birthdays, lots of celebrations. And what I'll really take away is how we were able to adapt and be flexible um, and just kind of those funny moments that come out of it. Yeah. I think, you know, we, I personally, I got to talk with more of my friends in different cities than I probably would have like over the last, you know, several months, like people who I, you know, only get to see face to face, maybe, you know, a couple times a year, I was seeing them on like more like routine uh, basis where I was like, wow, this is pretty nice. Where like, I, cause I always was joking with, with Megan, my, my girlfriend about like, we're being more social than we've ever been on Friday nights. Like the number of zoom FaceTimes, you know, we're doing on Friday nights, Saturday nights. I'm like, usually we come home, we're like turning the TV, we pass out, eat dinner, whatever. And, and now we're like, Oh, let's call so-and-so let's call so-and-so. And, and we're like, wow, we're talking to more people on a Friday night. You're like, you know, having drinks with them. Like Megan was doing like these like uh, wine happy hours with like some of her coworkers. And I was like, we're doing so much more now actually than we were in, in person. Um, so yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think, you know, focusing on like, goes back to focusing on the good things. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the best show you've watched on TV? Um, ever during COVID? No, 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 no. We'll, 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 we'll go just during COVID. Um, let's see. We are watching Ozark for a little bit. Okay. Um, but I'm currently, quite addicted to suits i started okay i had never watched it before no started it and um i've made it through a lot more than i would like to admit (laughs) (laughs) uh all right what is oh surprise you didn't say tiger king there i did watch tiger king but doesn't uh, tiger king feel like it was like a year ago it really does. I think that was like maybe two years like, ago. Like Tiger King and um, what's the other one? Love is Blind, right? Like yeah. those were like the first like two weeks of quarantine. Everyone's like watching those. And those were so big. So, so big. And like it feels like it was like a year ago. You're like, holy crap. Like where'd it go? Um, yeah, we're currently watching Handmaid's Tale, which is uh, 
very yeah. good, very dark, and a little too similar to uh, present day. So yeah, uh, very. I I've had this conversation with people. I actually, fun fact, binge watched. Um, I was training for a marathon while I was living in Michigan during the winter, which is a poor thing. Don't ever live somewhere cold and be training for a marathon. So I was training a lot on the treadmill because it was like zero degrees outside. Right. And I was like, okay, I have to find a show to watch. And so my <laughs> marathon training show was Handmaid's Tale. Let me tell you. It was, it was that is a weird, weird, because like, I feel like you'd want to watch something that you'd be like happy to watch because that show, it's like a train wreck where like nothing good comes out of it. And usually we finish watching it and we're, we like stare at each other like, or like, okay, let's go to bed. And you just like lay in bed and stare at the ceiling and, and like, but we just like the next, the next night we're like, what, what do you want to watch? Handmaid's Tale. And like, and it's just like this cycle of like, I don't know, maybe we're, maybe we have issues. I don't know. We also, we also binge watched the uh, entire Jersey Shore series. So there's also that too, which was pretty great. Uh, the Jersey Shore family vacation we got like really into. And so we decided, cause it's on Hulu. So we were like, yeah, let's watch Jersey Shore. Let's watch how it started. <laughs> yeah, it's too funny. I mean, talk about something that was a very long time ago, too. I know. Like, it was crazy. The first season of that was 2009. Um, yeah, just showing, uh, showing my age, I guess. <laughs> um, what's the best book you've read? Um, during, during, during quarantine. Um, I read this book called The Tattooist of Auschwitz, which is actually a true story based on a man who was a prisoner in Auschwitz and was the tattooer. And then there's also a sequel called Silka's Journey that focuses on like one girl who was in the story. Um, and it was, I couldn't put it down. It was a very good book. Nice, nice, all right. Um, Jenna, if people wanna connect with you, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at, well, <laughs> I don't, I don't share my social media, Okay, uh, fair enough. but, um, if you're looking for treatment, um, especially if you're a young adult in the DC area looking for, um, some treatment, you can contact the dorm. Gotcha. What are, and what are some, uh, references for people if they are looking for help? Um, Psychology Today is a really great website and you can filter by like what your like depression, anxiety, OCD, location, female, male, um, LGBTQ. Um, so that's a great reference if you're looking for um, a therapist. Cool. So I would encourage people to check that out. Awesome. All right, Jenna. Well, thank you for coming on and uh you know, I think we're going to have to probably do another update uh, because I'm sure it seems like uh, we are not out of the woods yet with COVID here. So uh, thanks again for coming on and uh, we'll be talking soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.